Rock and roll. It's your daily dose of all things Gamecocks on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Here's J.C. Sherbert. Inside the Gamecocks podcast, J.C. Sherbert here with you Wednesday, July 14th. Hope everyone is doing well. Glad to be back with you today. Kind of a Wednesday, Thursday, Friday format the last couple of weeks. But uh, that's going to change um, as we get closer. We've got SEC media days coming up. We've got uh, the start of the 2021 college football season practice-wise. And then more recruiting stuff. Big cookout coming up at South Carolina uh, July 31st at the end of the month. Uh, so lots to talk about here on the Big Spur Pod. At the Big Spur Pod is the Twitter. It's inside the Gamecocks podcast is the name of the pod. Um, got a lot of mailbag questions later today and I help consulting mailbag. But first of all, before we get started, uh, I want to tell you that this segment of Inside the Gamecocks is brought to you by Heritage Digital. Are you sick and tired of your business computer guy? Does he take forever to call you back? Are you paying him good money to keep things working, but there's still constant problems like slowness, other recurring issues? Are you worried he's not backing up and securing your network, and does your head hurt from having to deal with these hassles? Well, if this describes you, call my good friend Matthew Odom of Heritage Digital at 843-664-8989. Heritage is an IT firm that specializes in safely securing and managing your business IT network. Whether you have one employee or 500, Heritage Digital will make sure that your business isn't bogged down by IT issues impacting your security, productivity, and most importantly, your profits. Heritage Digital will perform a no-cost IT assessment and ask you all the right questions to make sure your network works correctly all the time for one low monthly fee with clients from South Carolina to California and everywhere in between. Heritage Digital has you covered. Again, if you're sick and tired of constant computer and network issues, please call my friend Matthew Odom of Heritage Digital today, 843-664-8989, and get rid of all the issues negatively impacting your business once and for all. Please, please, please support our sponsors here on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. That allows us to have a podcast, first and foremost, and to continue to uh, crank it out for our thousands of listeners, and we certainly appreciate Matt at Heritage Digital again eight four three six six four eight nine eight nine. Look him up, uh, and again, that's different than I help consulting, uh, who sponsors our mailbag. So anyway, um, some things to get to. There was a welcome home last week uh, over the weekend, and uh, the young man is going to make a commitment video, and so. You know, we're holding that. We didn't do any kind of crystal ball predictions or anything like that on the big spur. And I want to explain that real quick because there there was some little bit of feedback, negative feedback about it. Um, Here's the thing with crystal ball. First and foremost, uh, if you're a member of the big spur.com and you feel like you're getting cheated (laughs) because you, you know, you pay your $9 a month faithfully and, you know, you want to have the recruiting scoop. First and foremost, uh, I'll tell you this. Crystal Ball is not a VIP product, nor has it ever been. It's free for anybody who comes on 24-7 sports. Um, That's first and foremost. Secondly, uh, I'll put our recruiting coverage with Hale and myself and Tony and Whittle and all those guys up next to anybody. I think anybody that's a VIP member there, you listen to this podcast, is definitely informed uh, with recruiting. Um, The actual commitments – 
have not been VIP material for about a decade now since the advent of Twitter. Um, you know, I, that, that's just not something it used to be. You could put up a, a story that said new commit with a picture of the coach on it and you'd sell 15 subscriptions. But nowadays kids put it on Twitter. They make videos, stuff like that. It's the actual news. It's more of a free content item that, you know, we mass distribute everywhere. So you're, you're not getting cheated by this. Um, I, I will say it is a little wonky. Uh, if you have a crystal ball prediction in for another school and the kid commits to Carolina and you don't change it, you know, and you know where he's going, that, that does get a little wonky. And, and, and I think that's simply because of the new era we are in and how Shane Beamer, South Carolina's head coach, likes to do things and his staff likes to do things. Uh, I don't think there's anything wrong with a week's worth of speculation. I think sometimes it makes it fun. Um, I think that a lot of times you get, you know, some people that don't really care about the rules or anything like that. They're kind of living in the moment and they're going to sit there and spill the beans. But for the most part, all the, all the legitimate media outlets uh, in the market you know, have, have played by the rules and, and we're going to continue to do that, uh, you know, just because you don't want to ruin a kid's moment. I'll also say this. It's not, you know, if you sign 23 guys, let's say South Carolina's got, you know, 23. They'll have 23 commits as things stand today. <clears throat> Hopefully no decommits. Um, obviously, Anthony Rose would probably count twice. So maybe 25 to 27. Less than five of those are going to be situations where, we have a crystal ball pick in for another school and the kid picks Carolina. Um, for example, on some of these guys, uh, I went through and made a crystal ball pick for everybody that was visiting in June, except for two guys. And then the one guy I didn't make a pick for Dominic James. I mean, his recruitment obviously has been a mystery, <laughs> you know, lots of schools kind of went their separate ways with him. Uh, after he visited, I don't know why there, there's been no, you know, uh, specific detailed explanation on it, but, um, you know, and, and so I didn't make a pick for him cause I, it was just a mystery as to where he was going, but everybody else I picked. And, uh, some of those guys that South Carolina backed off of, I've changed. And some of them, when it looked like they were going to South Carolina, like Ryan Brubaker, I changed my pick, um, before the, the, the actual welcome home. And, um, you know, that's just, that's just a matter of, you know, getting out in front of it. And, and, and I think as we as a staff and myself, as we get used to this, then uh, it's going to be a little bit better, more accurate, you know. Uh, and, and I know it's wonky to sit there and go, well, why, why aren't the South Carolina insiders flipping their crystal ball on a kid or whatever? And, and that's just because, look, man, if, if, we, if we know about it from our sources when it happens and, and – and, we're willing to get that, you know, they're willing to give that information. I mean, I think you have to, you have to play by the rules no matter what uh, in terms of, um, you know, the, you know, the rules, you know, the rules. So uh, 24 seven sports has released uh, transfer rankings. There are no five-star prospects in the transfer rankings. And I think they're kind of taking the approach that they do with JUCOs. Uh, Gamecocks, Jordan Strong, 18th overall. Uh, Jamie Robinson went to Florida State, 36th overall. Ryan Helensky is 42nd overall. He went to Northwestern, obviously. 
Looking through here, uh, EJ Jenkins, 97th overall. Where's K-Ron Prunty? K-Ron Prunty, 54th overall, went from not ranked. Uh, Three-star kind of rating there. Uh, but that's fine. I mean, you know, like I said, these are going to be a little lower. Uh, John Dixon down at 83, not sure about that one. <laughs> I think he's going to be a lot better than that. But, um, you know, at, at least they're doing rankings. I uh, I think this is something that as we move forward, uh, this is going to become a more fine-tuned process. Uh, you know, I, I think a guy like Prunty, you know, going from Kansas to South Carolina, maybe if he were going – somewhere else with a little bit bigger profile, Ohio state, you know, maybe they, you know, they were talking about Ohio state getting him. Maybe he'd have gone up, but uh, I mean, that's okay. You know, I, I, I think that we're in such a weird time right now when it comes to transfer portal, roster optimization, COVID red shirts, all that good stuff. And then the fact you know, nobody's been on the road for a year, 15 months until now. You know, rankings are going to be a work in progress. And that's just kind of – and that's that's in the portal. That's with high school guys. That's with JUCOs, which are going to be interesting. Uh, that's everything across the board. So be patient. Don't, you know, don't burn down the house and believe <laughs> you know and riot over this I, I just I don't think it's that big of a deal just to be honest with you I, I think that uh the guys in the industry will work everything out uh once it gets going so I think that's a, um that's a positive thing uh pro football focus ranks Luke Doty 125 out of 130 uh, I guess starting quarterbacks at the power five level. Um, I guess they watched the film of last year and were not impressed. I'll, I'll tell you this, uh, talking to some contacts over the weekend and the first of this week, he's had a really good summer. Um, not sure, you know, what that all means. Uh, you know, I'm not guaranteeing anything, uh, but I, I, the staff's been pretty impressed with the work he's put in this summer as he continues to get more comfortable. I mean, I, I think that, um, you know, I think with quarterbacks sometimes, and I think that there's a big expectation that things work out right away. And if you think about it, that just rarely happens. I mean, uh, even Jake Bentley, six, seven games as a true freshman were outstanding for a true freshman. If you look at the overall picture, um, but still, you know, you played some teams like Florida and Clemson that were just overwhelming up front, and they didn't beat them, uh, and then lost a shootout to South Florida in the bowl. Uh, and Jake, if you think about it, you know, he had a, a – by the time he took over, he had Hayden Hurst that was coming on. Debo got healthy. Brian Edwards was coming into his own. Luke Doty didn't have that. I mean, he didn't, he didn't have anything close to that. And – you know, so I, I continue to believe, and so does Red, I guess, that it's completely unfair that um, some people are taking the last two and a half games of the season plus a, uh, you know, a, a, a spring scrimmage, if you will, uh, and picking it apart. Uh, you know, and pro football focus, if you guys have listened to me, I mean, there's some people out there that swear by those guys, and that's fine. 
Uh, I'm not saying they're always wrong or always right. I just sometimes look at it and go, what the heck are you looking at? And, and maybe I'm wrong, you know, don't get me wrong. I, I think they're fun data points to kind of look at both positive and negative. And we'll see next year if Luke Doty's 125 out of 130. <laughs> uh, you know, time will tell on all this. You know, the, the season sort of uh, exposes, you know, all the hot takery that happens during the offseason. Uh, you know, it, it makes, uh, makes liars out of us all. So we'll see sort of what happened. I can report, though, with confidence that internally they feel like, number one, he had a really good spring. I mean, he earned the job. And number two, that he's had a good summer. Uh, Jason Brown has been working hard as well. So those of you that were convinced by those passes that Jason Brown threw in the spring game, that he's the, the superior passer, uh, you know, we'll see. He's working hard too. So uh, I'm not, uh, you know, just like I said last year, Colin Hill was the best option and nobody believed me. Um, you know, I'm not saying that Luke Doty is going to go out there and light it up. What I will say though, is that the belief is, and, and I can back this up that Doty gives them the best chance to win heading into this year. And he's a young guy too. Um, so you, you got to give quarterbacks sometimes a, a chance to develop. I mean, you, you look at, I'll bring up the NFL draft again this year, you know, for every Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields, you know, there was a, a Zach Wilson who didn't didn't do much till his senior year. I don't think they're going to have to wait that long on Luke Doty. Um, you know, you had Kyle Trask, who may have never played had Felipe Franks not gotten hurt. You know, you had Trey Lance, who went to North Dakota State. I mean, you know, and then Mac Jones, who waited his turn at Alabama. I mean, so quarterbacks, you know, and I, I know at Clemson up the road, Lawrence and Watson were starters from the get-go, you know, a few games into both of them's freshman season. But I, I'm going to say this. I just, uh, you know, I, I just uh, – I, I think there needs to be a little bit of patience. I, I think that moaning and groaning with every incomplete pass this year is going to drive some of you crazy or every bad pass or interception or, or whatever. Um it's going to drive you nuts. And, and those of you that are convinced, and, and I mean, some, some are convinced that Jason Brown's going to be the guy. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know that it's healthy to sit there and pull for the, you know, what was the fourth string quarterback going into the spring game may, may still be to come in. Um, you know, sometimes you get what you wish for. So I, I don't know. I'm just saying, and that's not a slight on Jason Brown. I do think Jason Brown has a lot of ability. Um, I, I think that the idea, you know, is to get him to where he is the number two guy, at least. Um, and I think he's capable of doing that. But um, those of you that are convinced of that, uh, I will guarantee you Luke Doty will make some plays that are less than stellar this year. You know, every quarterback does. <laughs> uh, and I think I think at South Carolina, it's been a bad situation a lot of times, you know, with with people expecting perfection out of quarterbacks going back to Jake Bentley. Um, and, you know, and, and then maybe some other performances that were less than stellar, you know, people forgiving. Uh, which which doesn't make a lot of sense to me, but that's okay. I'm not. I'm not. You know, everybody's entitled to their opinion. It's football. Uh, 
like I've said many times, you ask 20 people to say, to, to give their opinion on something, you're going to probably get 20 variations of different answers. So I'm not coming down on you guys at all. I'm just saying, you know, it, it, it's not helpful when you, you know, groan and moan every time there's an incomplete pass because incomplete passes are part of, you know, it's a fact of life that's going to happen. You know, so I just wanted to say that. And, you know, I think things like pro football focus, when they throw stuff out there like that, probably don't help to, you know, they don't help anybody. It's not positive, but you know, not everything in life, football or whatever is extremely positive. You, you do have some negative things. So that's that. Uh, basketball. There was some good news about, um, and by the way, you know, whoever this guy is on Twitter, cycle bike 100, uh, what a stupid comment, you know, Chuck Martin, assistant basketball coach says, and Chuck Martin didn't make a stupid comment. Uh, Trayvon Mignot or Minot has undergone a phenomenal physical transformation this summer. He's transformed his body. And then somebody's like, great. Maybe that will improve his two point game five per game average and 55% free throw percentage. Well, listen, I mean, you have to be absolutely out to lunch and have never watched this guy play. If you're going to throw those stats out there, first and foremost, the kid didn't even join the team until January 8th. COVID year, all that. He was in high school, okay? You got the free year, so he, he was academically able to go, and he came on in. You know, so, so that that's, that's way – I mean, you know, look, I thought, and you had to have not watched him – does not see that he had some potential as bad as last season was, you know, he got in there and hustled and started one game, one game, the Gamecocks won by the way. And, and, and I got off to a good start. Uh, you know, sometimes guys, um, you know, they get better, especially in Frank Martin's program. I mean, sometimes guys, you know, I'm not saying guys never don't get better, you know, because Jermaine Cousinard obviously had a really tough year last year. We found out later it was because of some personal things. But, uh, you know, I, you know, comments like that, I mean, it's like I, I, I'm surprised if more people thought, and this is a very small minority of people that I think do this. Um, I'm surprised, you know, if everybody kind of had this mindset where you just throw, oh, 2.5, blah, 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 blah. Um, you know, just kind of being a smart aleck. If everybody thought this way, no coach could ever win at South Carolina. None in any sport. You know, when you don't give guys room to breathe and room to improve and things like that and understand that guys get better, that kind of thing, you know, uh uh-uh. I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's, you know, I I don't know of a coach worth his salt uh, if a fan base – 90% 90% of them felt this way and acted this way. But like I said, it's, it's a small minority, but you got to kind of talk about stuff like that because, you know, it's just, it's just dumb. And it, it's, it's kind of the nature of the world we live in. So I had to address that. Uh, I thought Trayvon Minote, Minote, I think I hope I'm saying that right. Uh, showed some promise. You know, you always need good big men in college basketball. They're hard to find. They're hard to sign. You got Josh Gray coming in from LSU. Minot takes a step. Levesque had a tough year last year too, but he's got upside as well. And then all of a sudden, you got a, you got three guys in there, you know, that are pretty big and athletic, and that can help a team. 
So anyway, I just don't understand trashing a young kid like that and, and putting everything on his stats and, and, and just not providing any context at all. But, you know, that's just kind of the way of the world. So I'll, I'll leave it at that. But, you know, according to John Del Bianco, Chuck Martin, you know, they think the guy's done a pretty good job transforming his body. And when you watch him last year, I'm not a basketball expert. That that's sort of uh, that's sort of what uh, what it is. So um, that's that's kind of what he need needed. So uh, Antonio Williams, probably the top in-state target on the board. Probably one of the top players on the board. Four-star guy, Dutch Fork. South Carolina is getting the official visit the weekend of the Kentucky game. Ole Miss will be later in October. Uh, likely plan is to commit before the playoffs. Uh, this is according to Hale McGranahan on thebigspur.com. You know, big-time target there. I, uh, you know, I still think South Carolina is in pretty good shape to get him. Um, they're trying very, very hard. Uh, I think that the more – you know, momentum you have, the, the the better season South Carolina has, the better it helps. There is a connection to Ole Miss, Murphy Holloway, uh, who went to Ole Miss, played basketball for them as his stepfather. Lane Kiffin is an excellent recruiter, along with his staff. So they're going to try to pluck one out of South Carolina, kind of just like South Carolina is trying to pluck linebacker Stone Blanton out of the state of Mississippi. So, you know, we'll see kind of what happens there. But, um, you know, I, I think South Carolina is still in pretty good shape for him. There's going to be some nervous moments. I think anytime you got an in-state kid that, you know, doesn't commit early, it, it gets it gets kind of wild and wacky. Uh, we all know it. We've all been through the Jordan Birch commitments, the Marcus Lattimore recruitment, Genevieve Clowney over the years. Um, you know, and, and Brian Edwards is an example of that too. Uh, so – you know, it's just kind of the nature of it. And so we'll see what happens there. But I think the Gamecocks are in really good shape. Antonio Williams, Oscar Delp, the tight end. That's coming down to the wire here, Georgia, South Carolina. He's visiting Clemson on the 24th for the cookout. Um, sort of a interesting recruitment there to follow. Number one tight end in the country. So that's um, – that's kind of what uh, you know what the deal is there as far as the top targets go, uh, and we'll see kind of what happens. South Carolina is waiting on a, well, I guess they're calling it a reveal. Uh, Gamecocks currently are sitting at seventeenth nationally in the twenty four seven sports team rankings, which are based on the twenty four seven sports composite. Uh, again. You know, when the Gamecocks are down the list, I'll tell you the same thing as when they're up the list. It's uh, it's not something to, you know, hang your hat on right now. It's better to be up than down. It's a nice talking point. You know, but Rutgers, Boston College, Missouri, Virginia Tech are the four ahead of Carolina, Arkansas, Baylor, Indiana, Oklahoma State behind them. You know, there's a lot of rec- – my point is there's a lot of recruiting to be done between now and the time this is all finalized. The good news for South Carolina is – if you're talking about the rankings, a lot of the guys still on the board are higher rated guys. So that's going to boost those numbers um, if they can close the deal on them and all of that. So that's uh, 
that's a pretty solid thing there. Um, like I said, better to be up than down. <laughs> I will tell you that right now. Uh, Tory and Gray, South Carolina's defensive backs coach, is the seventh-ranked recruiter. And recruiter rankings go sort of by the uh, just the numbers. It, it's like the team rankings. They're plugged into an algorithm based on 24-7 sports composite. So seventh in the SEC right now. Greg Atkins, the offensive line coach, 17th. He's had some guys. Jimmy Lindsey, 27th. Uh, just going through there, Justin Steph right now is 49th. I'm sure that'll go up. Um, you know, and you kind of look down, Marcus Satterfield's up there with his one commit uh, at 72nd in the Southeastern Conference. Lots of lots of SEC assistants are uh, dot the uh, national top 100 or whatever when it comes to uh, recruiter rankings these days. And I think Torian's 26 nationally. So five commits, probably will have another one maybe here soon, maybe two. So we'll see kind of how all that goes. Uh, I want to tell you about, before we get into the mailbag, because the mailbag's overflowing again today. Um, if you're a business owner, you can always look to save time and money, and iHelp Consulting can help you there. iHelp is a Gamecock-owned and operated company whose only mission is to help businesses save money on expenses. That's credit card processing, internet insurance, or anything else. iHelp can find your business the most savings without sacrificing quality. I know I'm always looking to save money with my business. And remember, if iHelp can't help save your business any money, you don't pay anything. That's right. If they can't help your business, it's no cost to you. So call or text my friend Daniel Owens at iHelp, 843-372-5713, or visit iHelpConsulting.com to schedule a free consultation. That number again, 843-372-5713, iHelp Consulting. How can I help you? Proud sponsor of the iHelp Consulting mailbag. And again, Heritage Digital, they're going to get your network figured out if you got a mess right there. Um iHelp is just going to go do a breakdown of your business expenses and try to find, uh, you know, the best deal for you. That's on things like, like I said, credit card processing, insurance, uh, your internet provider, that kind of thing. And if they can't help you save any money, you know, you don't, you don't pay them anything. So it's uh, high reward and low risk. <clears throat> Excuse me, battling a cold here. So there are two ways to get into the iHelp Consulting Mailbag. First and foremost, you can go to Twitter at the Big Spur Pod and say, hey, I'm going to tweet at you and tweet at us. And I love doing those because it helps get more followers on Twitter. And um, I usually retweet the questions just so you know that uh, I'm getting to them. Somebody has sent a uh, picture, a T-shirt with my face on it. That's good. <laughs> so anyway, that's the chubby elf picture of mine. I think I look like a chubby elf there. But anyway, uh, first one comes in from Cox School, and he he talked to us and the Cover 3 podcast, the CBS 24-7 Sports Pod. He said, I know, don't know about y'all, but I'm already tired of hearing about NIL and college football. I'm glad players are making money but as a fan i don't care i want to hear about it all the time please let's nil talk thanks cover three responded 
and said, going to be hearing about it a lot for probably this month, and then only as it is milestones are relating to recruiting. And that's fine. And, and old school says, I can live with that. And I'll just say this, you know, it, it's the summer. We're in the preseason. It's a big change. Um, I guarantee you the national media is going to be writing about every deal that um, that uh, every deal uh, to, um, you know, to, to, to kind of talk about it. We got some breaking news in baseball, uh, according to sports media, JB, Jamie Bradford on JB and Goldwater. Skyler Mead and Trip Couch, two assistants, are leaving South Carolina. Uh, Couch is going to Arizona as the new uh, one of the new assistants under the new staff there. The Arizona's coach, you remember, went to LSU. And then Skyler Mead has a head coaching job. He's going to Troy University as their head football coach. And so – I'm sorry, head football coach. I'm an idiot. Uh, head baseball coach. Jesus. Um, so, looks like Mark Kingston, Kingston's going to be retooling his staff in a way that's uh, pretty significant. You know, I thought Skyler Mead did a really good job. You know, Trip Couch uh, kind of headed up recruiting. He's a guy that's been with Kingston for a while, but – you know, look, guys, uh, you know, I said it here on the podcast. I, I, you know, it's a good year getting to host a regional in, in a brutally tough SEC. The Gamecocks finished with a winning record. Um, But the standards of the program are higher than that. I mean, that's the bottom line. Uh, and Mark Kingston told, told everybody that at the end of the year. So, And I'm not saying that these moves were made uh, to um, – you know, we're forced, you know, obviously you get a head coaching job. I think Troy, you're, you're in the state of Alabama. There's a lot of talent there. It's uh, academically, you can go recruit the junior colleges all you want and all that good stuff, which I don't think is a big deal in baseball. Uh, you know, so it's a pretty good, solid gig, I think, in, in athletics in general. I know football's overachieved down there. Uh, and then, you know, University of Arizona, where you have a uh, it's a national power. We all know Arizona's a really good program. They were in Omaha this year. They beat the Gamecocks for the national title in 2012. Wildcats have a pretty good, you know, both those Arizona schools are really good. Arizona's a baseball haven. So, um, you know, those are not lateral moves, but uh, I think sometimes that will give a head coach a chance to kind of retool things and, you know, get uh, – get a new perspective, hear a new voice, and, and move forward like that. So that's some, some breaking baseball news. So anyway, back to NIL. Yeah, we're going to talk about it right now because it's kind of a new thing, and we're in the midst of the I help Consulting mailbag, by the way. Um, but it, I, I don't think it's something that we're going to sit there and, and – and, I mean, the season's about to start, and you still have recruiting and stuff like that. Now – you know, the Miami situation, which I wasn't a fan of, given every player whatever, and, you know, things like enticements and stuff, I think it needs to be addressed because, I, you know, I think, quite frankly, it could end up uh, – it could end up really impacting recruiting in a way that I don't think anybody wants. So, uh, you know, that's the thing there. 
in terms of um, in terms of NIL. Uh, and we're moving on. Tom says, as a Gamecock fan, I'm hoping for unionization, salary cap, salary slots, in order to level the playing field parity so we can become relevant. Am I wrong? And spirit of the law means nothing. Letter of the law, programs will maximize their benefit. We need to maximize NIL and everything else imaginable as much as possible within the letter, not spirit of the law, to maximize recruiting advantage. Um, and I bet that you, uh, Tom, I've just honestly reading your tweets and your comments over time. I, I bet you probably think this is Ray Tanner and Shane Beamer's responsibility. Hope not, because you'd be dead wrong then. Um, when you say we, you know, that's up to the Gamecock business owners and people like that. I mean, it, it's, it's totally, it's not the athletic department, you know, it's not the athletic department. It's not the coaches. They can't do anything. Um, and you're right. Spirit of the law does not matter. I also think this, you know, hearing some of these comments, you would think that South Carolina was like totally in the abyss. They had all kinds of problems that, you know, they never could win. It's impossible to win. It's impossible to have upward mobility. And that's just not true. You know, one, you know, how long, eight years ago, South Carolina for four, four straight years was probably the best team in the SEC East every year, although they didn't win it but once. You know, if you look at the record against division opponents and at home, again, I mean, all those kinds of things, you know, uh, and, and it wasn't just because of Steve Spurrier either. You know, those teams were really good on defense. They had good players. They had recruited well. You know, that kind of thing. I, I don't I don't think that, you know, there's this big, you know, insurmountable thing, path to relevance. You want to become relevant, start beating Missouri and Kentucky and Tennessee again. And that's not too far off if you're just looking at roster. I mean, I do think that the must-champ era and the losing and things like that has, has caused South Carolina to not be uh, as relevant. But I think, you know, with every, you know, recruiting win they get and, you know, all kinds of things like that, they become, you know, they march back toward relevance. Um, do I think South Carolina should maximize NIL? Yes. Do I think that unionization, salary cap and slots is, is going to level any kind of playing field? No. And I, and I think that's – you can't do that because it's your choice where to go to college. You know, it, it's your choice. Now – you want to start restricting scholarships tightly like they do in baseball and, you know, having, well, we don't have them, but so many, so much money to give you for scholarships. So you have to go elsewhere and stuff like that. You know, maybe that gets there, but I, I don't, I don't think that the 85 scholarship limit is restricting, you know, you want to catch Alabama, you need to just catch Alabama. You know, you want to catch Ohio state, go catch Ohio state. Everybody else, uh, as good as Clemson is and Georgia is and all these other schools, you know, they're not, they're not these programs though. I mean, they, they don't have the same type of, you know, 12 year run on top classes that Bama does, you know, and I, and I think that's the, that's the, you want to point to something we're in the midst of a, 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 a period in college football where uh, it's as close to UCLA basketball in the seventies as you're going to get in this sport, you know, Nobody, it's hard to win it every year, you know, in football. <clears throat> but I think 
when you're talking about Bama, uh, they're a class unto themselves. <clears throat> and then you have other schools, Oklahoma, Clemson. Uh, you know, and I think Ohio State may be getting there. I think their talent level continues to climb. But none of those teams, last time I checked, never lose a game. I mean, you know, so I I, I think that, you know, to level – you want to level a play and feel – go do your job. <laughs> you know, I don't – there's no, like, secret sauce to it. Um And NIL is not going to save you. I mean, if you think that it's – if you already think – that you need a salary cap for South Carolina to become even relevant again, then you're already lost. You've already lost. So you may as well just hang it up in my opinion. Uh, by the way, Tom hated to hear about Acuna for the Braves. That, that just, uh, that was not a welcome development and uh, here's hoping he recovers and all that good stuff. Been a frustrating year for Braves fans, I think, but thanks for your uh, tweet. So the iHelp Consulting inbox can also be reached by emailing inside the Gamecocks at gmail.com. And, oh, here's a question from Phil. It's about NIL. My question is, if scholarships limit athletes in making endorsement deals with major apparel companies, what is stopping athletes from just denying the scholarship, making the deal with major endorsements, and becoming a preferred walk-on at a major university? I don't think it just affects scholarship. I think it affects eligibility. So in other words, walk-ons are subjected to the same rules with that. Uh, could a major company pay the athlete more than a scholarship is worth? Theoretically. <laughs> I just, I mean, are you going to go do that for a, a, a player that may or may not work out? I mean, you, you're going to really, if, if you want to do that, you're going to really have a finite group of guys, you, you know, Trevor Lawrence. Yes. Jadevian Clowney, yes. Marcus Lattimore, yes. Um, Justin Fields, yes. I think he would have been a guy that you could have done it with. But, you know, JT Daniels was supposed to be the number one player in the country. You know, you go and endorse him. He got beat out at Southern Cal, hurt his leg, knee. Now he's at Georgia doing big things. But for a while there, your investment's looking pretty shaky. So, I, you know, major companies are, you know, they're all about business, folks. Um, so, I, you know, I think it would be a finite number of plays in football, basketball. Like I said before, it's a different story. Companies all the time are paying employees to go to school for an education. What would be the difference? And let's say Nike, you know, is paying a major high school recruit for a full ride at Oregon because this makes scholarship offers less meaningful. Seems like the line between college and pros is becoming more and more blurry. Thanks for all you do. Yeah, I don't I, – I think that – you know, the rules are the rules. Uh, and I think some of these apparel deals, I mean, could an apparel company technically work around that? Absolutely. Um, if they really wanted a guy bad enough. And again, I, I, this is more of a, I think, a basketball thing. Um, just because basketball, you're dealing with a smaller number of players. You're, you're, you know, you know more than the guy, you know, you can look at Zion Williams and say, eh, that guy's going to be a high pick in the draft. Um, and so, you know, maybe you could, you'd work around it that way, but I mean, I, you know, you said Nike in Oregon to, to, from my understanding is the, the shoe contract, the shoe companies with the schools that those entities cannot pay. Um, now I know at Oregon, Thibodeau 
had a deal worked out with something that Phil Knight privately funded. Um, so maybe that would make the case. Does it make the scholarship offers less meaningful? Yeah. But I, I just, I, I don't see it happening with the, oh, he's going to walk on and and not, I mean, you know, would you, I don't know, you know, there's eligibility issues and stuff academically, you got to stay eligible and stuff. So I, yeah, I don't know, you know, you're going to have a guy with, you know, that pays his own way because he's got cash in the bank. I know in football, you know, that guy better be special. I've got better love football because you, you have to work to be good in football. I don't care what star rating you are. And I think this is, you know, like Tom, Oh, irrelevance. And, and it's, it's the playing field has to be equal. It's, they don't, they don't take into account that, you know, just because a guy's a five-star guy, doesn't make him great. Alabama's great because Alabama, number one, takes the right five-star guys. They pass on a lot of five-star guys, too. So does Clemson, by the way. And Clemson really will take four- and three-star guys they like better. Uh, and they're a great program, you know. And then they develop them, you know. It, it's hard, even if you are developing, team, you know, guys, uh, it's hard if you don't have the raw talent and, and you're not getting the stud players, you know, and, and that's true. But star ratings don't necessarily define stud players. I mean, you know, you, you got to get the right guys. And, um, you know, so, so I, I think in football, if you did that, that would have to be just a guy that, you know, like Trevor Lawrence or, or Clowney or somebody like that. But um, I just don't see that happening because I think that the level – you know, the, the, the rules and things like that, you know, don't don't just apply to scholarship guys. They apply to walk-ons as well. You got to – you can't violate the rules or you're ineligible. So that's whether you're a walk-on or not. But that's an interesting question, Phil. There's a lot of stuff here that is going to have to have to kind of work out. All right, Noah. JC, what would you say was the best moment or game – for the Gamecocks, for each of the last three coaches, Holt, Spurrier, and Muschamp. I'll start with Muschamp. I mean, it's easy to say the win at Georgia because that was a huge win. Uh, I think that on the heels of snapping a losing streak to Kentucky, that created a lot of positive momentum for a couple of weeks. Uh, the crowd at the Florida game the next weekend was fired up and into it. Had the rug pulled out from under him yet again. But it was a it was a, a lot of rain and stuff that day, and Gamecocks, Gamecocks fans showed up. Uh, it's easy to say that. I, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go with something else. I'm gonna go with the game at Missouri, game two of 2017, his second year. Um because I think by any measure, the 2016 team overperformed to get to six and six in a bowl, even though they lost the bowl. Uh, everybody's excited. Um, Debo Samuel takes the opening kickoff of the season back. Even though they got, got out game, they forced turnovers against an NC State team that was had a lot of individual players that got drafted. Uh, big win up in Charlotte. I was there. And then you got to go to Columbia, Missouri, and Josh Heupel's calling plays out there at the time. And they put up 70-something the week before, and you got Drew Locke. And, you know, 
the year before in Columbia, they were talking in Columbia, South Carolina, they were talking smack and the Gamecocks fell behind 10, nothing. And then Debo Samuel takes over the game. Jam Williams had an interception and South Carolina ended up winning pretty easily 31, 13 on the road in the sec in the sec opener. And I think at that point you're sitting there going, you know, cause that year too, Florida started having problems. They ended up firing Jim McElwain. And I think at that point you're sitting there going, this thing may work out. You know, Debo Samuel is a budding star. The defense is stingy. Jake Bentley looks pretty good the first two games of the year. He misfired some, but like I said before, quarterbacks do that. You know, you're sitting there going, and man, Kentucky's coming to town, and the Gamecocks owe them one. Gamecocks score first play of the game. And, you know, that that's why that Kentucky game to me was just so – devastatingly bad even that early even though that team went on to win nine games that year beat a lot of teams that were just so so um that game took the air out I mean you win that one I don't think there's a hangover the next week against Louisiana Tech and you don't survive that by one point and then I think you know you're 4-0 going to College Station and you know that was that was the one Texas A&M game the last few years that I, I think South Carolina – South Carolina could have won a bunch of them or several of them. Not a bunch, several. But up 17-7, you have all the momentum, you have the ball back, that kind of thing. You know, maybe at that point you don't – you don't, you know, Roper doesn't just start running it. I mean, maybe you let Jake Aaron out a little more because he's completing passes. and You score again, and at that point I think it's over because I don't think A&M has the gumption to come back. So, what was the pinnacle of the Will Muschamp era? I'm, I'm going to say, I'm going to say that 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 Missouri game on the road, you know, because the, and then that started the pattern of, okay, we're getting somewhere, we're getting somewhere, we're getting somewhere, pff, somewhere, 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 pff, uh, and that that hurts fans worse than just losing all the time. Because when you lose all the time, you know that there's a coaching change around the corner and it gives you hope. But when you sit there and you take two step, you know, one step forward, two steps back, that 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 that's what hurts fans. Coach Spurrier, there are many, probably a tie between in 2010, the win over Bama at home. Uh, people still talk about that around the SEC. Uh, that's still the last SEC East team to defeat the Crimson Tide. Um 11 years ago, uh, and that was just a great day for South Carolina. Uh, and then I, I think a game that gets overlooked a bit was the win in the Swamp. You know, if you remember correctly, I, a lot of people said didn't think South Carolina was going to win. I mean, Urban Meyer at night in the Swamp. You know, South Carolina had lost by 21 points to Arkansas at home the week before. And, uh, you know, you go down there and – you know, it's nighttime. That stadium was electric for the first little bit. They returned the opening kickoff for a touchdown, and then South Carolina just just beat them down physically, mentally, whatever. By the end of that game, it was unbelievable. And that was for a division title, you know. Kind of funny that when South Carolina plays Florida with a lot on the line, South in, in sports in general, South Carolina usually wins if you think about it. Uh, what team the Gamecocks beat in the Elite Eight to go to the Final Four in men's basketball? The Gators. 2011, who the Gamecocks beat for the National Championship of Baseball? The Gators. 
2010, who the Gamecocks beat to win the SEC East Gators. So that's just kind of an interesting dynamic between the two schools. That and the fact that, you know, all these coaches have coached both places, or the last two have, Spurrier and Muschamp. But um, Beamer hasn't coached at Florida. Gamecocks almost hired Kevin O'Sullivan for baseball. Holtz, uh, I mean, I'm going to go with with probably the first Outback Bowl just because, you know, I, I thought, you know, you could say that Georgia game. I think you could make a good case for the Quincy Carter five interception ambush. I mean, that sent Jim Donnan packing. Uh, kind of set the tone for his last year, but uh, Georgia, but um, I think that first out that bowl because, you know, South Carolina was seven and four, just a brutally tough loss. The push off game at Clemson uh, could have broken that streak. Uh, but, you know, Carolina was resurgent, you know, t- there were two tough losses that year to Tennessee at home. God, that was awful. Um 17-14, just a – it was just a, one of those Tennessee-Carolina games under Holtz that just didn't go Carolina's way. And then the push-off game at Clemson. And, I, and I'll call it the push-off game. <laughs> I know they call it the catch-up there or the catch part two or whatever. But um, it was a push-off. And uh, and it was crazy because they had called back a touchdown on the Gamecocks for the same call. I think Brian Scott or Jamel Kelly won, had pushed off. Uh and you go down there, and it's Ohio State. Derek Watson's not playing. Watson was thousand-yard rusher that year, and Ryan Brewer just runs over, around, and through them. And the Gamecocks defense was dominant and beat them twenty-four-seven. And Ohio State hired, you know, fired John Cooper and, and hired Jim Trussell. Next thing you know, you know, forty thousand Gamecocks in the stands at in Tampa for that two sold out outback bowls. And, and and I think that gave South Carolina such great momentum in the off season to where that 2001 team, which was pretty good too, they, you know, they took it up a notch and then whatever happened in the Holtz era happened. So first outback bowl tie between Bama and Florida in 2010 for Spurrier. Then must champ. I'm going to go with that Missouri game. Uh, and look, some of you guys, you want to email in and tell me what you're, Biggest moments from all three eras was. I'm curious to hear it. Okay. Mitchell says, I just saw the 24-7 Sports updating the composite rankings for class of 2023. And uh, there are four four four-star players, Monroe Freeling, Devin Hyatt. Now, Devin Hyatt is not in the state anymore. He went to IM. He's going to IMG. Montique Rames and Anderson. And one five-star player, McLeod from Camden. I was wondering on how good of a chance Carolina will be to perform better in the state for the class of 2023, possibly land all five guys. Personally, I think Carolina has a chance. I think they do have a chance uh, to land all the in-state players in 2023. Keep an eye on Clemson for McLeod. I agree. Clemson does pretty well at Camden. Tennessee for Hyatt. I agree. His brother's there. And then Marquis Anderson says Carolina doesn't have a great history of getting players from the I-85 area. Uh, in that area of the states, consider Clemson country. Your thoughts? Well, South Carolina hasn't had a good track record of getting guys from Dorman. But, Mitchell, I'll tell you this, Dorman is on I-26. 
So <laughs> I used to be near I-85 and Carolina's gotten a lot of guys out of Burns and Chapman and Bowling Springs and all that. But yeah, you're right. It's the upstate. I don't know if Clemson's going on Marquis Anderson right now. Um, I know they're in, I know they offered Freeling and I think they're going to be a tough out for Freeling. Not sure on McLeod just yet. Uh, I've heard some people that watched McLeod at Clemson's camp. Some neutral observers say, hey, he didn't have the greatest camp up there, but, uh, you know, we'll see. But, um, you know, Montique Reigns from Sumter, I think, is a guy South Carolina's got a good shot at, you know. Uh, I don't think they're getting Devin Hyatt. I'll tell you that right now. Um, I'm not and, – and that's not – has nothing to do with Justin Stepp or anybody recruiting him. I just don't have that feel for him. Uh, I think Freeling is probably a 60-40 Clemson kind of deal. Rames, I'd reverse that and go Carolina. Anderson, I think Carolina's in really good shape. And McLeod, it gets better and better for South Carolina every time he visits. I'll say that. you know. I, and when he came on the scene, I was like, there's no chance in heck South Carolina gets this kid because he's Cam- it's Camden and – Believe it or not, as close to campus as Camden is, South Carolina does not have a good track record of getting guys from there. But they didn't at Fort Dorchester either. And if they get Demetrius Watson, that's three straight Fort D kids that have gone to South Carolina. So things change over time. But, um, yeah, 2023 is shaping up to be a really good uh, class in South Carolina, and it's another solid one in North Carolina. And unlike this cycle – you know, the South Carolina, new South Carolina staff, they've had an opportunity to begin to build relationships with those kids. And I think that's very, very important, um, especially when you're talking about breaking in in North Carolina. And, and I, you know, you read some of the feedback, and South Carolina's doing – they're trending pretty well early on. Um, and, look, having a big class in state and getting your share is important. I, will they sweep it? I doubt it. I, and, and, like I said, Hyatt's out, so he's going – He's going on to uh, IMG. So he's a Florida kid now. But the others, South Carolina's right there. And they're going to fight really hard to get them. And so, and I, like I said, the staff has had a chance to start early with these guys and maybe not so much with some of the others. Uh, so it's another great question, Mitchell. I appreciate it. And I also appreciate you, Mitchell, for keeping up with recruiting. And like you do, you seem to really like it. Obviously, keeps guys like me in business. So. Dylan says, JC, how does getting Nelson, Keenan Nelson, if the Gamecocks get him, help with Josiah Trotter's recruitment? I say they see this all that they both attend St. Joe's. Um, I feel like it helps. Obviously, his brother goes to Clemson, but and you know, then he swung by South Carolina. South Carolina's in the top four with Clemson, Penn State, Ohio State. Uh, Josiah may be the type of guy that wants to go his own way. Uh, Jeremiah Trotter Jr. goes to Clemson. Maybe they both want to play in South Carolina. I don't know. But uh, I I think it will help. Uh, I think it also helps with other Philadelphia area kids, New Jersey kids. They're not on very many Jersey kids right now, but uh, kids from the Northeast, kids from Baltimore. Um, Because it's all kind of up there together and 
you start looking at it, well, you know, Braden Davis from over in Delaware is going and Marshawn Lloyd's there and Debo Williams is there. And, and you, you know, it starts to add up and you're like, there's a lot of players from that area that come to South Carolina and, you know, it's in the SEC. It's right down I-95. You know, that's a, everybody vacationed there as a kid. So uh, it, it helps. It does help. So I will say if they get Keenan Nelson Jr., it will help on another note. How do you feel about the Gamecocks and Jay Sean Barham? Seems we're winning battles against Penn State. Yeah, and I'd also watch Maryland for Barham. Uh, I know Game, Gamecocks love him. They love Barham. They got him in for an unofficial visit, which for a kid that far away is a good news. I know Mike Peterson's really, really working him. They love him as an edge guy. So, so I don't know. Maybe it's uh, – I'd say Gamecocks right there with the others. Uh, it may come down to the officials, but there's there's some talk that you know South Carolina's right there and feels as good as anybody. So we'll see what happens when all is said and done. But uh, yeah, they are they're they're winning some battles against Penn State. Penn State has the number what recruiting number three recruiting class in the country right now. Um, so they're they're doing all right. They got 18 commits, 10 four stars, eight three stars, but um, they're doing all right. So. We will see. We will see. But I appreciate your question, Dylan. Seth, JC, thanks for the podcast. I love it. Which you would take over uh, for ESP and Upstate. Ever since you and Greg McKinney left, it's not the same. Keep up the good work. Yeah, you know, they've, they've kind of gone in a different direction, and they're going to do what they're going to do. Uh, but, uh, you know, I've moved on from there, and I, I really enjoyed – working with some people in that building. I don't, I don't really, you know, uh, some of the current regime, I don't know some of them, some of them, you know, I like personally, don't necessarily like what they say on the air, uh, you know, but there are a lot of good people that work there. Uh, and, and I'll say that uh, from now on. I mean, it, it's not, I don't hate those guys at all. I just, you know, there's some things that, that, that come out from there that are, you know, detrimental, you know, uh, not detrimental. I, I would say they just don't fit with my business and what I do. Uh, and if they were grounded in facts and, and not just hyperbole and, you know, I guess shock jockery, uh, I'd be fine with it because I, you know, I don't, I don't, I certainly don't sit there and shut down anybody that criticizes the Gamecocks because it's not been a good run here. But then there are certain things though that are, you know, just irrelevant that, that end up getting magnified, like like the forever to thee thing up there that, that just don't fit with, you know, me or any of my staff from the Big Spur going on their show because that that's just lending credence to that. And that's a dumb take, and I'm just not behind it. But thanks for the – I mean, I, I enjoy being up there. And I, Greg's a great guy, and I enjoyed working with him and all that. But uh, I don't have I, – I don't want you guys to think that, you know, I dislike anybody in that building or anything. They're, they're really good people that work there. They're just, you know, they're just doing something different and that's fine. You know, I think you all, we all have to carve out our niche niche, right? I was wondering if you saw the ranking of top 50 linebacker coaches by big game boomer on Twitter. Not sure who he is, but he has Clayton white, right? This is the fourth best in the nation. What do you think about that accurate or too early to tell? Well, I'm going to say this. I love Clayton, Clayton White. Well, he's the coordinator. 
but uh, and I and I I think he's a heck of a coach. Um, but he, uh, I don't, you know, uh, I think this is his first time coaching linebackers. If you look at his resume, uh, DB's coach at a high school in North Carolina, DB recruiting coordinator at Western Carolina, DB special teams at Western Michigan, DB at Stanford. Co-special teams DB at Western Kentucky, special teams running backs at UConn, co-special teams and safeties at NC State, defensive coordinator cornerbacks at Western Kentucky, and now D.C. and linebackers. Now, that's it. Clayton White played linebacker for the New York Giants and for NC State and all that. So he's a linebacker, but he's never coached it. So – you know, and, and and people are going to say, well, you're being hypocritical because you're like, you know, you didn't think Shane Beaver should have been ranked last and he's never been a coordinator. And that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that when you're talking about ranking linebackers coaches, I would, I'd put Clayton White in my top 50 or whatever, simply because he's a good coach and he's played the position, but yeah, fourth, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. So I'm not saying that he won't be and that I disagree with it. I think, like you said, accurate or too early to tell. It's too early to tell because he hasn't he hasn't been a linebacker's coach his entire career as a coach. He played linebacker, though, so and I think that, that means a lot, you know, so we'll see. But I appreciate it, Seth. You're the, you're the man. That's a very good question and all that. And thank you to everybody that contributed to the iHeart Consulting mailbag thanks to iheart consulting again uh for being one of our sponsors uh you know please 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 call or text daniel 843-372-5713 and uh, get on that to help your business uh save money and cost across the board and then if you just have it issues and you need a new it guy some of some folks out there definitely do you know because they they, you know they got things where these days you're sitting there have to work on Microsoft Excel or something like that. And, you know, you got an old IT system. It's clunky. You're going to lose your work and, you know, your employees are going to be in a bad mood all day. You know, all that good stuff. Matt Odom can help you there. Heritage Digital 843-664-8989 and all that. I appreciate every one of you tuning in today. It's Wednesday. I think I'm going to probably be able to get this up. You probably JB and Goldwater, I'm on in about, oh, 52 minutes. So you probably won't get through this until I'm on there. But if you miss me on that, you can also get it at podcast form. Download their app to listen to JB and Goldwater anywhere. Also going to be on Locked on the Gamecocks podcast with Keith later. It's the 700th episode of that uh, podcast. 700. That's a lot. Uh, and, uh, you know, Keith and I started it back at the, before the first year of the must champ era. So, uh, going to go back and, you know, reminisce a little bit there, be on that, uh, tomorrow. I think that's for patrons only. It should be, uh, also, uh, Mike Morgan and I will have Eric McLean and, I know he played at Clemson. I know he took a shot at Steve Spurrier on Twitter 
when Spurrier left, even though the Gamecocks, you know, obviously Steve Spurrier had a lot of success against Clemson. Um, but Eric, uh, I've known him since he was a recruit, and he's a member of the ACC network now. So we're going to talk ACC with Eric uh, on the J.C. and Morgan podcast on Friday, and that'll be out. Um, should be an interesting listen. I think Eric's done a really good job for them. So, uh, but but I'm telling you, yeah, Gamecock fans, you know, I don't want you guys to just shut it out because it's J.C. and Morgan, and we have all kinds of different viewpoints and views and all that good stuff. And so I'm, I'm looking forward to our conversation with Eric later this week. Also more episodes of the inside the game guys podcast. Uh, whenever this commitment becomes public, going to be breaking it down uh, and all that again, get into the, I help consulting mailbag inside the game at gmail.com is the email address, or you can tweet to at the big spur pod. All right. Appreciate each and every one of you. This has been ITG for july 14th hope everyone is having a wonderful july right around the corner practices gonna start here in a few weeks less than a month we're less than a month out so hope everyone's looking forward to it this is jc sherbert signing off have a great day everyone